But enough of housekeeping stuff. Let's get into the word of God. Can you hear me tell your neighbor? Say, neighbor, what's your status? I'm in marital status. Yeah. You know, some people don't know their status. Because some people are struggling to answer the question. When you see a married man that you ask what's your marital status and he's scratching his head, something is wrong. Yeah. Something is really wrong. A married man or a married woman should be able to say, I'm married. Praise God. I said, praise God. Can you help me ask again, say, what's your status? We're starting a relationship series this morning, which is typical of us in the month of September to teach on relationships and marriage. The aim and the objective of this teaching series is to bring us back to the basics and to give us some better understanding on the biblical approach to Christian marriages. So whether you're married or single, you're going to get a lot from this. Some of us, after this series, you actually feel like a married counselor. (laughs) Yeah, because you will have learned a lot that if you ever encounter somebody who is struggling in their marriage, you will have one or two things to say to them. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But you need to implement those things in your heart first before you start to teach them. Praise God. So it's Mr. and Mrs. Better Half series, and we are tagged this Made in Heaven, Marriage Made in Heaven. And we're going to be examining marriage from the book of the beginning, the book of Genesis. If you want to know God's original intention about any matter in life, read the book of Genesis. Almost every issue has been addressed there, one way or the other. And as the Holy Spirit starts to open our minds to see what God is talking about in such books, we get a better, stronger understanding of how to work things out. Maybe you are like me. A few years ago, I think about uh, 16 or 17 years ago, it was... I just started dating my wife. We, um, I've met her parents and we started making plans uh, a few months, maybe like a year after we're going to get married, you know, and stuff like that. And then, though know, it was then delayed, our marriage was delayed a little more than we uh, envisaged because our older sister, my parents in law said, our older sister to uh, marry first. And since she already had a suit or two, uh, we decided that patience will have its way. So we waited a few more months for her to go. I actually wanted a situation where maybe they can allow both of them to marry on the same day so they can fast track because that time I couldn't wait again. But, <laughs> but <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, we had to wait. And it was that period where we were still waiting and all, uh, uh, but we already had plans. I started saving up for the, for the wedding, you know, saving up for, you know, a wedding ring and stuff like that. That I was in my office. Then a pastor at Daystar Christian Center on the mainland. And a lady walked into my office. The front desk lady brought her to say, oh, uh, maybe pastor for counseling. This lady, by the time she sat in front of me, I realized that she'd been married for about 10 years. Our wedding anniversary was about three or four days before then. And she sat down for like an hour, downloaded on me a story. How the day before the 10th wedding anniversary, her husband left and didn't come back until the day after. And she couldn't reach him when he came. And he even asked, did you realize that yesterday was our wedding anniversary? He said, and so what? And just walked away and you know, like, what, what wedding anniversary? Is it somebody like you that somebody you should be celebrating with? You know, all those kind of things. The lady wept and did everything, told me all kind of abuse that she has gone through in the last 10 years, you know, and all. I summoned courage to find scriptures to encourage her, and I prayed with her. But when she left, she didn't know what she did to me. When she left, I started feeling like the money had saved up. I should go and use to buy real estate. 
and not think about this wedding, just suspend it or just cancel this relationship. Yeah. I just felt like if it's going to be this terrible, why do I want to put myself into all this trouble? That was how I felt. She, 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 she dampened my spirit. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. I, I felt a bit discouraged afterward. It took me a few weeks. If I had to go and meet one of my colleagues who had been married then and, you know, I felt he was doing well in his marriage, to sit in front of him to say, ah, 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 ah. I told him all the story again and I allowed him to encourage me. Yeah. I don't know about you. Maybe that's where you are as a single person. Maybe that's where you are right now. Have you lost hope in the institution of marriage? My first question this afternoon. Have you lost hope in the institution of marriage? Whether you're married or single, single, when you've gone through stuff or when you've heard about what people are going through, sometimes you are always, I mean, almost making up your mind that maybe I shouldn't even bother again. Or are you shying away from marriage or, or become pessimistic about the prospect of getting married? I need you to note this, which is very important. Please note this. Someone's negative experience should not be the basis for your own expectation. Yeah. A person's negative experience should not be the basis for your own expectation. Yeah. For 10 years or so now of marriage, my story was not like the story of that lady. Yeah. Though her story was very real to me, when she shared it with me, I could connect. I felt her pain. I became discouraged, a bit pessimistic. But as I got into the word of God more, and I started to understand that somebody's experience should not be the basis of my expectation. The basis for my own expectation should be the written word of God, God's expectation, God's plan for marriage. Let me uh, put a twist to what I'm talking about. How many of us have seen a car crash before? Yeah, a car crash before. Can I see a show of hand? Yeah. I still saw one yesterday. It's coming from the mainland. But yet I still drove home. Yeah. The fact that people are having, you know, crashes on the road does not mean that you won't drive again. Am I saying the truth? Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. The fact that people are failing at marriage does not mean that marriage doesn't work. And it doesn't mean that you should not get married because of that. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. You've seen many car crashes, but yet you still drive, you still travel, you still do long distance trips, road trips, and you still enjoy it. And there are many people listening to me here this morning, many people watching online who have never crashed their car before. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Maybe minor scratches here and there. I mean, you, you can't do without that in Lagos. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. In Lagos, somebody will touch you. you know. yeah. But I'm talking about real crash. Yeah. Many people here have not seen that before. And you have people who have crashed their cars before. But yet, they're driving. Yet, you are driving. It's the same thing. Let's not make people's experience the basis for our own expectation. Yeah. The basis for our own expectation. So, wherever you are right now, whether you are divorced, widowed, a single parent, separated, you are dealing with stuff, secrets, you've had a child out of wedlock, and your spouse is not aware, you are dealing with same-sex attraction, 
And maybe nobody's aware of it except the people you're attracted to. Whatever you're dealing with right now, I need you to understand that God is aware and you're always on his mind. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about how he's going to sort you out. I read through the Bible and I realized that God reached out to almost everybody with all kinds of status maritally. Read the book of Ruth, for instance, in the Old Testament. Ruth was a young widow. She lost her husband. God reached out to her, gave her the wisdom to stick to her mother-in-law Naomi, to walk back with Naomi back to Bethlehem of Judah. And God prepared a man of covenant by the name of Boaz. And by that, Ruth became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And today we can read about her, but she was a widow. So if you're widowed, and know that God is thinking about you and he has a plan for you. If you are divorced, I was asking the Holy Spirit a few days ago, what, what's up with God and divorced people? What, what, you know, God says, I hate divorce. What about the divorcee? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, haven't you read in your Bible, John chapter 4? The woman there, she wasn't just a divorced person. She was a serial divorcee. She had been divorced four times. Four times. The, she, she, she was on her fifth call. And this time around, just fooling around with a guy. Jesus met her. He could have spoken to any other person. Don't forget, that situation was not convenient. He was hungry. His disciples went... Have you read John chapter 4 before? Yeah. His disciples went to buy food, knowing that he was hungry. By the time they came, he was so engrossed in the conversation with this woman, to the point that he was telling them, I have food that you don't know of. That means, I'm zealous for, you know, passion has consumed me. Yeah. So many people Jesus could have been talking to. But this woman, who has been divorced four times, God loves divorcees. He has their time. And he has plans for them. If it's about some of us here, God should kill them. No, he won't. Praise God. I said, praise God. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. God has plans for everybody. Wherever you may be right now. And church, we're so configured to judge. We're so quick to judge. Somebody's already listening to me now. Whether I hear, maybe those kind of people are not here. Maybe they're online. Who's already saying, is pastor then encouraging people to divorce? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's plans for everybody. Notwithstanding where we have been and where we are going. His name is called the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, and everything in between. It's all about him. He wants you to be able to fulfill his purpose for your life. And I'm saying that don't get into that place where you feel stranded. Because of what you have gone through maritally. Because God still has a plan for your life. He still has a plan for your life. Wherever you may be right now, in a marriage that is not so good, in an abusive relationship, God still has a plan. He wants to turn that relationship around. He wants to give you wisdom. And that wisdom is in his word. The Bible, ladies and gentlemen, is a code, a code of wisdom. When you dig into it, you get wisdom for life and living. And that's how we deal with discouragement. When light shines upon our heart, knowledge is light. And the Bible says the light shines in darkness. John chapter 1, verse 10, 11, and, and, and so on. It said light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend it. 
talking about the light of Jesus. You need to just allow that light to shine in your heart. Somebody say amen to that. Or say better amen to that. So, today's big question for singles and couples, what is God's standard for marriage? What is God's standard for marriage? You know, there is standard for water. If you have done elementary science before, water is H2O. Two portions of hydrogen and one portion of oxygen. Anything outside of that is not water. Yeah. And water in Nigeria is H2O. Water in Saudi Arabia is H2O. Yeah. Water in America is H2O. I'm not talking about flavored water. I'm talking about real water, ordinary water. It's the same. It's the same with marriage. God has not changed his mind about your original composition and the purpose for which he set up marriage. It's the same. If you run it the way he wants us to run it, the original version, permit me to call it 1.0, marriage 1.0, it works and it will work forever. The only problem is that we have variants now. All kinds of versions. Married 5.0. Like IOS. Maybe it's married 10.3 now or so. Yeah, that's what people are running. All kinds of variations. They have one in North America. They call it prenuptial agreement. Yeah. If somebody has plenty of resources, wealth, and wants to get married. Before we get married, we we'll sign an agreement that what belongs to me if you ever walk away, we're not going to share it. Yeah. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Yeah. So, how then would you, first of all, value yourself based on what you have before you can come into a marriage? That is marriage 5.0. It's not the, in the beginning, it was not so. Yeah. And Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 19, when the Pharisees came to him. Matthew 19, when you read from verse 3 to 9. And he said, can a man divorce his wife for just any reason? Because, you know, Moses told us to, we can issue a bill of divorce and just walk the woman out. When Jesus told them, he said, in the beginning, it was not so. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he that made them, at the beginning, made them male and female? Somebody say, at the beginning. Oh, come on, say it very well. Say, at the beginning. So we're talking marriage 1.0, at the beginning. Said, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Today, instead of Adam and Eve, we have Adam and Steve. Yeah, but at the beginning, male and female. I'm talking scripture, not political correctness. Scripture, Bible. I didn't write this. At the beginning, he made them male and female. And he said, verse 5 of Matthew 19, and he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, Jesus continued by saying, is a, 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 then he said, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put uh, away, verse 8, he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart. 
because of the hardness of your heart. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Married 1.0. From the beginning, it was not so. Jesus was taking them back to the beginning all the time. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, down to 25. If you read it, God told Adam, put Adam in the garden, Genesis 2 and 15. Adam in the garden. He said to care for it, to, to, to work it and care for it. Adam had a job of purpose. It was while Adam was doing that, that God then came in about verse 17 or so and said, it's not good that man should be alone. We will make for him a helper that is suitable and comparable to him. Yeah. We'll make for him a helper. Marriage is not a man's idea. According to the scriptures, it is God's idea. It was God that looked at Adam and said, it's not good that man should be alone. If it was a man's idea, Adam should have been complaining to God in this verse. I'm in this garden alone, just working my bones out. Don't you think I need help? Somebody that looks like this, like figure eight, send one to me. And then I'll, you know, is that what you read there? No. It was God that looked at Adam. This guy needs support emotionally. He needs some psychological support. He needs some physical support. So You know, some, some touchy feeling, something, something that will help him his head to screw down straight and he'll be able to focus on his work. That's what God thought. And God then said, it's not good that a man should be alone. Let's make for him a help that is suitable for him. Based on his work and his purpose. That's why you shouldn't marry anyhow. Singles, listen to me. It's a helper that is suitable or comparable, not at variance. That's why you should marry a friend, your friend, and continue to build friendship in marriage. If you get last year's Better Half series, you see there, I taught friendship in marriage. If you follow me on Twitter every Friday, I do a relationship series that I tweet about 50 every Friday. Last Friday, I talked about uh, um, anger management. Getting a grip on, on anger within a relationship. Yeah. So I do this every week. And it's based on the understanding of, of scriptures. It's not good that a man should be alone. I will make for him a helper that is comparable to him. And that's when God then went ahead and created the woman. And created the woman. Is somebody still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So... God's standard is in the beginning. In the beginning, like Jesus was emphasized. In the beginning. In the beginning, it was not so. In the beginning, God had an intention. There's something that he wanted to achieve. That's his standard. And for you to key into God's standard, you have to reset your mind. You have to make up your mind to follow God's principles. And the three keys to understanding kingdom uh, um, marriage. One is that you need to read the Bible. Read the Bible. It has God's original intention and it has not changed. Everything is sustained by its source. My human body, my body is sustained from organic stuff from the ground if it's going to live well. If I load it up with inorganic stuff, there may be repercussions to it. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. So everything is sustained by whatever comes from the same source. The same way, because marriage is from the mind of God, 
Marriage can only be sustained from other things that come from the mind of God. That's why the Bible is a manual for a good marriage. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Whoever thought about marriage has other things in mind. And those things have been written in the word of God. And those are the things that you should read more if you want to understand how to make success out of a marriage. Yeah. You know, I've attended many schools in my life. Many. And I, 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 this year I've been to at least four trainings. Yeah. And some even outside of this country. And they teach all kinds of things. One of the things you will learn, for instance, in some corporate trainings is about communication. How to uh, speak to your subordinates or colleagues at work. Well, you know the funny thing? You can speak in the most impeccable way and try to massage somebody's ego, but if there's no connection, the person will not understand what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Communication starts with connection. It starts with connection. That I buy into you and you buy into me. Those are some of the things that we see from the scriptures. It's beyond the superficial things that are taught in, in, you know, in certain schools. Those things are good when the foundation is there. The foundation of the life of a believer should be the foundation in God's word. Then all those other things can be laid on it. Yeah, can be laid on it. If as a believer, for instance, you don't understand God's mind concerning business and why he has put a business in your hand, you can go to the best business school in the world. They will build a superstructure for you, but your foundation will be wrong. Yeah. When you stand before God, he may not be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you don't even know the purpose for which he has given you that business. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So we need to read the Bible because that's where we get to know about the foundation. So reading especially the Bible will help you to get into the foundation of what God is talking about. Secondly, seek God's presence and instruction. Seek God's presence and instruction. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 12 talks about a three-fold cord that is not easily broken. It said, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them, and a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And that third fold there is God. 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 God is the third fold in the cord. As a single person hearing me this afternoon, please note this. If you don't know how to cultivate God's presence in your life currently as a single you're going to struggle when you get married because your responsibility will increase. You're going to have more reasons why you, you can't create time to pray or to worship God or to be in a congregation like this from time to time. Yeah. All those things, you, you're supposed to get used to them while you are still single so that by the time you get married, you're not going to struggle. Adam had, had known God's presence, was having conversations with God before Eve came into his life. I don't know if I'm getting what I'm saying. Yeah. You need to know God for yourself. Ladies, don't wait for a man to make you spiritual. Be spiritual on your own. Yeah. Guys, don't wait for a lady, a church girl, to come and introduce you to Jesus. Know Jesus for yourself. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Married men, don't assume that your wife is a prayer warrior of our house. Many years ago, um, a friend of mine 
told me that he went for, you know, this popular musician, Lagbaja, used to have a place that they called Motherland in the Kedja. This guy went to Motherland on a Friday evening just to have um, a good time with friends. And then he met his uncle at Motherland. And uncle came with one young lady. So someone called to greet his uncle and he went to greet his uncle. And, um, and then he someone called again to ask about auntie. Yeah, that's the uncle's wife. You know the way we say it around here. So he greets uncle and uncle, hey, hey, how are you? Da, da, da. Uncle, where is auntie? Ah, auntie has gone to redemption camp. They went to pray for us. <laughs> you know redemption camp, RCCG, Redeemed Christian Church of God headquarters. It's the last Friday of the month where they have their vigil. The wife has gone there. He went to the music show to go and have fun with young ladies while the wife went for a prayer vigil. And he was still saying it. Until uh, they are the one praying for us. They've gone to, yeah. I mean, what kind of a man is that? I hope. <laughs> so, men, be the prayer warrior of your own life. Yeah. Don't wait for a woman to pray for you. You are supposed to even encourage the woman to join you in prayer. Because somebody comes to a church like this, some people come to a church like this and still feel, you know, it's my, it was my wife that took me to church. She's the one that does all the prayer for us. Me, I was just, I'm just following. Yeah. And when she prays, God blesses my business. You use your mouth to pray. Yeah. God, you also have mouth. You can pray. Yeah. Maybe if you are also praying more, the business will prosper even much more. <laughs> Praise God. So seek God's presence and seek his instruction. It's a three-fold cord that is not easily broken. The man, his wife, and God. And both of them must have relationships with God that are vital. They can connect with God on their own and then collectively. Are you still with me today? Thirdly, be committed to God's purpose. Be committed to God's purpose. When God put Adam in the garden in Genesis 2 and 15, Genesis 2 and verse 15, is to walk it and to care for it. New King James says, he already has his job cut out for him, then the woman came to support him to do that which is God's purpose for his life. It will be easy to break out of any relationship if uh, marriage, if you get into it because of sex, because of uh, the ease of paying house rent. You know, some people just say, okay, if we, if we marry, at least we share the house rent, you know, and all that. If that's the reason why you're marrying, if you have more money, you can pay house rent on your own. And the lady annoys you or the guy annoys you, you can go. Am I, am I saying the truth? But Christians, we need to be sensitive to God's purpose. Somebody say purpose. purpose. Yeah. God's purpose. The Bible says that this steps of a good man, they are ordered by God because it delights in his ways. God is the one that organizes people to connect if you are in God's will. There's a purpose for that connection. It's beyond both of us. There's something that God wants to do. If I have purpose in mind, I won't work out anyhow. Even if you are in a dating relationship, the moment is getting strong and you are seeing that maybe God has a purpose for this thing, and in your heart you are feeling the Holy Spirit telling you God has a purpose for it, nurture that relationship. Don't let it break off anyhow. May you not turn your real wife to a girlfriend. That you now do a transient 
dating relationship with and walk away. And God will have to be recalculating the route like a satellite navigator. You know when you miss your way, the thing will recalculate again to put you. That's what happens. Some of us, you know, ages have recalculated, recalculated, now they are tired. Because all the people you are supposed to marry, you have dealt with them anyhow, you know, brutal, you just walk away, walk away. All the time they are recalculating, recalculating. Now the satellite navigator is no longer working properly, you know. <laughs> be committed to God's purpose. The moment you see purpose in anything, you stick to it. Is someone still with me today? Yeah. You stick to it. You stick to it. God's purpose is beyond me. It's beyond fun. It's beyond whether it's easy. It's beyond if I'm happy in it or not. If it's about purpose, ask entrepreneurs, they will tell you. When you are purposeful and focused, it's not going to be fun to build a business, but you stick to it. It's the same thing for a marriage. You stick to it. Stick to it. If you do touch and go in business, you, you have a long way to go. For any business to be established, it requires a lot of work, diligence. Sticking to it can do spirit. That's how businesses are built. The same way, any marriage that will be strong and last requires a can-do spirit. So you don't chicken out because of one unpleasant situation, or somebody annoyed me, or she's getting me angry. Yeah. Or somebody doesn't have an income just for a few months, and you're already thinking about it, that maybe it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. Wasn't supposed to because a guy or a lady has been out of work for one year. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. Because that's the kind of thing that's happening around us today. Praise God. Lastly, this afternoon. Maybe I'll continue next Sunday. I have five big ideas about marriage, but I'll pick one and we'll continue next Sunday. One big idea about marriage that I've emphasized in all the services today is that marriage is for holiness, not essentially happiness. I mean, for me, when I learned about this, it was a groundbreaking truth that reset my brain and helped me to understand what I've gotten myself into. Marriage is for holiness, not essentially for happiness. Please indulge me for three minutes and I'll round this all off. Three minutes. Marriage is for holiness, not essentially for happiness. What am I saying? When God looks down from heaven and thinks about you, either trying to get into a relationship or you are already in a marriage, what he's looking out is for you to come out on the other side a Christ-like person, which is holiness. If you are not happy, he doesn't mind if you are becoming more like Christ. (laughs) This is sounding strange to somebody. You need to hear me out. You need to hear me out. This is the last scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, 26, and 27. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water. Uh, Let me pause. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church, that he gave himself to it. He said that he might sanctify 
The word sanctify is an old English word that means to set something apart for a purpose. That you may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Look at verse 27. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. You know what? Marriage, the way the Bible writes about it here, is like the, 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 the union of, the, of Christ with the church. The church being you and I. Terrible sinners. That Christ came after us and redeemed us with his own blood. Laid his life down for us. The process was brutal. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They slapped him. They hung him on the cross. Naked. Forget about the pictures that you, you saw. He was treated like a terrible criminal. Stripped. Hung on the cross. Bleeding. And when he looked down, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. To succeed in marriage, you have to die to yourself and your personal agenda. And seek to fulfill God's purpose in that marriage. That's why I said marriage is not for happiness, essentially. It's for holiness. That he may cleanse her by the washing of the uh, water by the word. Verse 27 here says that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be what? I cannot hear you. Can somebody help me again? Holy and without blemish. Have you seen a piece of wood that somebody is trying to make without blemish before? They will sandpaper it. Yeah. By the time they finish, you won't see blemish. The thing will shine. If you put your hand on it, it will go in line with the grain and it will be very beautiful. Yeah. But can somebody try sandpaper on your skin? Yeah, if they do, you will feel some pain and discomfort. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. The process of a marriage making you a more Christ-like person. Who is Christ? That guy that hung on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and he didn't complain and he endured the cross and the pain and the shame. That is what it means to be Christ-like. Anyone that is not focused on being Christ-like in marriage by shedding your own agenda and looking for the good of the other person cannot succeed in marriage. God's way. Yeah. Marriage is not essentially for my happiness, it's for my holiness. Happiness is a byproduct of a good marriage. Yeah. It's a byproduct of a good marriage. So, as we leave this afternoon, please know that as you study the word of God, some good things enter into your heart. When you come under pressure, it is what is in your heart that will come out. When you crash a car, what comes out? Fuel. Engine oil. All the things inside. You can only see blood if there's a human being inside. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. You crash. What else? Anything you crash, whatever is inside them is what comes out. When you come under pressure and you hit a woman, it's not essentially the woman. It is what is inside you. You are a puncher. Punch is inside you. That's why when you came under pressure, you punch. 
If you store the word of God in your heart, it reconfigures what is there. That's what we're saying. Yeah. That's what marriage does to you. It, it, sometimes you are aggravated, you, the word inside you comes out. The word from your mouth can kill. Then you should come to the realization that you need to be sanctified. Set apart and washed with the word. That's the purpose for which God brought you into this marriage. It's not for serenity. It's not for anko. You know, when we wear the same clothes. You know, all those kind of... Oh, as good as that is. And I love that. Sincerely. I love that. That we can do romance, go to the movies together. All those things are fringe benefits of being married. Yeah. But there is a purpose. We're talking purpose here. We're going back to the basics. The real purpose is holiness. It's Christ-likeness. So your spouse is going to run you crazy. Then when you are patient, you are becoming more like Christ. The marriage is working. Yeah. That's when the marriage is working. But on the contrary, what do we say today? That's when people want to bail. That's when somebody will come and meet me, Pastor, I want out. To where? Yeah. That's when the marriage is working. The marriage is working. When you feel some discomfort, the marriage is working. Yeah, the marriage is working. When you, when you have serious conflict that will help you to shape your value system. When your husband says, you can't buy that Gucci bag because you have to pay school fees. But you love the bag, your eyes are popping. That's when your marriage is working. Hold the thing back. Help you understand. That's when the marriage is working. Because then you are learning self-control. That's God's purpose for putting you in a marriage. Yeah. Romance, sex, all those things are fringe benefits. Yeah. When God looked in the garden and saw Adam and said, It's not good for man to be alone, he was talking on several planes. From emotional to psychological to physical. But the most important one is that this man will become better. And will be more like Christ if we give him a help. And that help is to make his life miserable. So that he can grow. <laughs> Last day this afternoon, all the singles in the house. All the singles in the house. Please read Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. The Lord put Adam to sleep before he performed one surgery that brought Eve out. Marriage is not like business. You don't have to also enter your rest. Deep sleep. That was what God did there. So you have to enter your rest. When you enter rest mode, especially deep sleep mode, you activate God's action. When you are extremely active and agitated and you are running, trying to appeal to James and John, you know, the sons of Zebedee, that's where, that's where you, 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 you put God in a sleep mode. God says, when you are true, with all your shenanigans, I will come back. Yeah. So singles, listen to me very well. Read that passage. Adam did not get a wife until God, he, he walked with God to sleep. Deep sleep, then God activated wife mode. And things configured, and the wife was produced. And presentation happened. Boom, the man was married. Is there a man here? You are chasing, you are running around for a babe. Enter into your rest. 
Put it in God's hand. Let God order your steps. Let him bring you to the right babe. Same for a woman. Look good for God and for everybody. Not to attract a foolish man. Yeah. I'm... Lift your two hands with me this afternoon. Father, we thank you for your divine presence in this place. We have shared your word. And where the word of the king is, there is power. So we know that your power is present here to redeem, to heal broken heart, and to save from destruction. So we thank you for wisdom coming upon everyone this afternoon. We thank you for your grace coming upon every marriage. We thank you for your favor upon our single brothers and sisters for ordering of steps for divine connection. We thank you for what you are going to do this month as we take this series. Let your light shine in darkness. Let darkness not be able to comprehend it. Lead us in the direction of purpose. Let your own original intention be the reality of our lives. If there's anyone who is currently stranded in their marital destiny, we ask for divine direction for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone who has been praying to you for ordering of steps, we ask that you answer the prayer speedily. Grant them their heart desire. Let your name be glorified. We thank you for healing in homes, healing in marriages. We thank you for peace on our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our work relationships, peace in our domestic relationships, peace within nuclear families. In the name of the Lord Jesus, make us like Jesus. Help us to build Christ-likeness. Help us to die to our own personal agendas that your own purpose may be fulfilled in our lives. We thank you and we praise you in the precious name of Jesus. Please, with all that's bowed, can I say this one last prayer for anyone 